situations, settings can change the expression of our genes. So it's not changing DNA per se, but it's changing the expression of how our genes work. Hi, and welcome to another Family Care Learning Podcast. My name is Haley. I'm a child and family therapist and a family coach here. And Sarah, I'll let you introduce yourself today. Yeah, my name is Sarah Earls. I'm a child and family therapist here at Christian Family Care and Arizona Family Counseling. Yeah. So we're talking about a topic today that I am curious if a lot of parents have ever even heard of this term or even know anything about this, but it relates really well to the families that we often serve at Christian Family Care and Arizona Family Counseling, which is our foster and adoptive parents. So Sarah, I think it was last week, you wrote a blog post about epigenetics and just talking about how that's really important for parents to understand if there is generational trauma and how Mm -hmm. A parent, you have such an influential role and a hopeful role for our par- or for our kiddos who maybe have experienced some trauma, or even your family system has experienced some trauma. So you're going to kind of explain to us what this term is um, and how it's just important for us to be aware of maybe what this is or what's happening within our family system. So I'm just going to let you take it away. Yeah. So epigenetics is a relatively new field. Um, in terms of science, but it's basically about how um, situations, settings can change the expression of our genes. So it's not changing DNA per se, but it's changing the expression of how our genes work. Um, It's really fascinating. They've done all kinds of different studies, but I think it's really um, appropriate to talk about and think about and just know a little bit about in terms of um, what happens with our kids who've come from hard places. Right. So, you know, we talk about like, oh, well, you know, we can understand like that their neurobiology has been changed by the trauma they've experienced. Right. Um, we talk about, you know, how in utero, um, like malnutrition can affect them. Mm-hmm. But this kind of goes beyond that to say like, I mean, the Bible says the sins of the father are passed on to the third and fourth generations and really how things that parents go through, whether because of their own decisions or because of other things they've been exposed to, how that can affect their kids' genes. So um, like there was a study of um, people who were offspring of Holocaust victims Mm. and how that had kind of turned on the gene for being more sensitive to like anxiety, depression, and other mental disorders. Not that they were like not determinism like they were gonna get it but just that this awful thing that um the people had been through predisposed their offspring to have that gene come on more easily wow which is a crazy thing to think about but i think for a lot of families who are listening to this podcast they might go that actually totally makes sense and i know for me as a foster parent who has co-parented with you know, several different families of the kiddos that have been in our home. When I get to know their bio parents and love on them, I'm without, you know, again, we've only had so many kids. We haven't had every kid in Arizona, but with all the kids that we've had, you know, relationships with, and I get to know the parents and their story, what has happened to their children or is happening to their children happened to them and then happened to their Mm -hmm. parents. And so we do, we see this cycle within this family system and it's heartbreaking. And I think most of us, you know, could say, yeah, we could see that if we think about our own family history or, you know, maybe those around us saying, yeah, this is generational trauma. But I think what is really important about this, and I love that this is something that is being researched more and starting to really be 
talked about more is the fact that we can we can change this. We can change our family systems. We can, even though this might be impacting our genetics, it's not defining us. It's not, like you said, changing the DNA. It's really, if anything, this is just an education opportunity to say, hey, do you know this is happening, that generational trauma exists? But as a parent, you can change the cycle. So yeah. I think that's amazing. I love that you're bringing this to our attention today. Yeah, and that's that's the cool thing is, again, it's not determinism. It's not like, oh, you know, the parent had this hard thing happen or, you know, maybe they struggled with addiction. My kid's going to have addiction. That's not the thing. Right. The thing is that it makes those genes more sensitive because essentially they're turned on. Right. And what turns them off, if they're a negative one, is a nurturing family environment. Right. And, you know, there's the verse that says, don't grow weary in doing good. And it, this is encouraging to me as a therapist. And I want to encourage parents with it to say like, hey, like you may not see immediate results, mm -hmm. but you are literally like if you are loving on your kid as Jesus loves you, you are potentially changing things for a thousand generations. Because that's what the yes. Bible says, like his love goes on to a thousand generations. And they're seeing with this science of epigenetics that literally it takes to four generations, just like wow. the Bible says, for genes to be fully turned off. Yeah. So it's a slow and steady process, but it is happening. It's happening. So maybe yep. like your your adopted foster kid, things aren't perfect for them. Maybe they still have some struggles. But if you're providing them the good stuff, you're working to turn on those good genes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. That's amazing. And the other thing that I'm just, you know, as believers, I think it's so cool when we go to the Bible and we seek the word and we see that none of this is a surprise yeah. to God and that he really is even addressing this in the Bible. And you have that here. So I would love for you to kind of talk about some verses that you have. And you've already touched on touched on them a little bit, yeah. saying that God is bigger than this. And God mm -hmm. knows that we are all his children. He loves all of us. And because of sin, this is impacting our family system, but have hope, take heart, mm -hmm. right? And so can you just kind of... I think you're already encouraging our families by saying, listen, this is a thing. Have hope. Here's, you know, some research and here's even better than research the Bible, right? Yeah. The, the most purest form of, you know, wisdom that we can receive. Um, can you just touch on that for a little bit and how amazing it is that God, God presented this to us. He gave us hope. Yeah. In his word. So I, I kind of mentioned the, you know, the Galatians 6, 9 verse about don't grow weary in doing good for mm -hmm. a due season. You'll reap a harvest if you don't give up. I, I kind of think about that in terms of um, the first Corinthians passage about um, where it says like Apollos watered it. Um, you know, I planted Apollos watered, but God made it grow. And I think mm. that's what a lot of times foster and adoptive care is, especially foster care. You're planting seeds and these kids may not get to stay with you. But right. if you think about it in terms of epigenetics, like you're turning on some genes that then if they continue to get nurtured, will pass on. Right. Um, you know, because it says in the Ten Commandments, like God's a jealous God. He's going to visit the iniquity of the fathers on the children of the third and fourth generations. Yeah. But showing steadfast love, not just like regular love, but steadfast, that perfect love to thousands of generations to those who keep his commandments. Yeah. And so like that modeling piece is huge. And ultimately we're relying on God to do the bigger work because, you know, we, we can only plant and water. He has right. to make it grow, but it's just exciting to think about like, okay. And science is showing this, like, it does make a difference. Yeah. Um, and again, like some people, you know, kind of get discouraged, like, oh, well, like I maybe can't undo this in one generation. So what am I doing? But to have a long range view of like, 
I'm changing things. And um, there's a professor at Trinity Christian. I just want to read this quote. Yeah, that please. He, it's amazing. Um, said, I just loved what he had to say. He said, the lesson of epigenetics should be that our choices and actions matter more, not less. Another response would be to redouble our efforts to free people from destructive cycles of abuse, addiction, and violence. Totally what adoption mm-hmm. and foster care is part Absolutely. of. Absolutely. When we do so, it may be that we are not only freeing an individual, but we could help them improve their epigenetic legacy, making a difference for their children and their children's children. This could give a whole new meaning to the question asked by the righteous in Matthew 25. Lord, when was it that we saw you hungry and gave you food or thirsty and gave you something to drink? Mm. So just the idea of like, we could be serving Christ. We could be serving future generations by loving on these kiddos that are in our home that maybe are still going to make some hard choices that we really need the Lord's help to get through. Right, right. Um, but that we, we're really affecting the future generations. You know, if we want to change the world, change the life of one kid. Yeah. And I think that's so encouraging. And you, you touched on this just a minute ago saying that, you know, with foster care, obviously the whole goal is reunification, mm-hmm. right? It's not something that is necessarily permanent. Maybe it will be, but yeah. that's really not the idea or the mm-hmm. goal of uh, foster care. But knowing that if you are able to welcome a child into your home, show them this love, this attachment, mm-hmm. this nurture, and that their needs can be met, mm-hmm. um, the gift that you are giving to their bio family and to their siblings and to their kids. Because I, I meet with a lot of families as a family coach. And this is one of the hardest things, I think, when we have a child reunify or transition out of our home. And I've experienced this myself because we've had four kids transition out of our home. And, and it's hard because there are times in that grief process, did I do enough? Did I really take, you know, that years, some of them were years, some of them were just months, you know, that they were in my home and did I do the work? But I know I, this is just proving that, right? That mm-hmm. this is part of God's design and it's beautiful. It's heartbreaking, but it's absolutely beautiful because we are. We are changing that brain of theirs. And not only that, but we are providing the chance and the opportunity, like you said, to impact multiple generations. And that's that's beautiful. It makes me emotional thinking about that, that not only have I touched or any of our foster families touched just the kids that enter our home, but the possibility of their children and the generations to come from that. And it's, that's amazing, you know. So um, I just want to read um, a little bit of that First Corinthians verse um, just at the end, just as another encouragement. And then my I'm going to follow up with a question, mm-hmm. but I'm just going to read the second half. So um, the one who plants and the one who waters have one purpose, and they will each be rewarded according to their own labor, for we are co-workers in God's service. And I think that just sums up foster care and adoption so beautifully. And, you know, maybe we have some listeners that are not faith-based, and that's okay, too. But I think what's encouraging about what you're presenting today is that maybe uh, this perspective, maybe it's not one that is easy to grasp or believe in, but the research, the science Mm -hmm. is. So really encouraging people, look into this, look into epigenetics, you know, discover this a little bit more. And if you say, okay, this is whether it's from God's word or from the science and what the CDC is even presenting, you have the CDC quoted here Mm -hmm. as a reference, Um, what is all the same is that idea of attachment and connecting with a healthy and safe caregiver. And so can you just touch on that a little bit for maybe some of our new viewers? We talk about attachment a ton here. That's kind of what we're the experts in and what we're really passionate about. But can you just kind of give us 
a little bit more of a description about what that looks like, because I have a feeling hearing this, some people might be like, this makes sense, but what do I do to get to that point? Well, and I I think the thing is, like you were saying, like, when kids transition, did I do enough? Mm -hmm. I think sometimes we have to just, like, rewind a little bit and say, like, love is the intervention. Like, just being a steady, secure caregiver, you don't even necessarily have to do anything other than the things you would normally do as part of your foster care license. Like, take your kids to school, pick them up, you know, get them from the bus stop. Give them regular food and water. Right. Um, sometimes it's not that you have to do all these fancy things. Yeah. Um, but just to be a steady, secure caregiver. Because mm-hmm. kids from hard places, they haven't had that. Right. They've had caregivers who were really struggling themselves and couldn't attend to the baby's needs. Mm-hmm. They've they've been lacking some basic things. They were potentially abused in many different ways. Um, so just having a secure place right. is the place it starts. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's... That's great. And I think, like you said, I think sometimes we are fearful that we need to do endless amounts of stuff. And, well, that's great. That's an add-on. But really, it's just the consistency and the showing up all the time. I think that's really important for our families to hear. And then one more question that I have for you, um, because I feel like a lot of parents in today's culture— are maybe feeling fearful that their family system's getting attacked, right? And we're not making this political by any means, yeah. but I think there is a lot of fear circulating right now, regardless mm-hmm. of how that fear looks for you and your family. Mm-hmm. I think that's a frequent word that we're hearing. And I, so I, I think when a lot of people hear that, they go, oh, am I starting more trauma for our next generation by mm-hmm. the fear I have and the fear that our, our you know, world's been experiencing, especially the last two years. So is there any hope or encouragement that you can have for some parents that are saying, I feel like we might be in a state now where we're going to be, you know, causing next generations to have maybe higher anxiety or high, higher depression because of what we are is impacting us as adults and that our, our kids are experiencing. Yeah. And I think we can only control what we can control. Yeah. And, you know, when it comes to things like PTSD, the greatest preventer of that happening, like a kid experiencing a trauma, traumatic event or a trauma and getting PTSD, the thing that prevents that is having a secure study caregiver. Mm-hmm. If they know like, hey, this is really hard, this is really scary, but I have someone, right? they're more likely to be able to work through that, to be able to get past the fight, flight, freeze, to process it and move on. Right. It's when, you know, Parents themselves get carried away by the fear, like in a permanent way, so that they, you know, are gone. They're like physically maybe gone. Maybe they're emotionally gone. They're not able to attend to their kids, or maybe they do something mean to their kids. Mm-hmm. That's that's when we have the trauma starting to pass on. Right. If parents can, you know, acknowledge their own fear and then co-regulate with their kids, there's they're probably going to be okay. Doesn't right. mean that it's not going to affect them in some way. But that's the best we can do because it is a sometimes very scary world and we can't control it. Right. But um, we can't control what goes on in our family, how we stick together, how we love one another. And ultimately we do, if we're believers, we have Jesus and he is that steady, strong, reliable caregiver who's perfect. Yeah. We win. We win. We know what Mm -hmm. the end result is going to be. And so there's assurance in that. And so, yeah, I think that's great even for parents to hear and, it's okay as a parent if you're experiencing some anxiety with everything going on in the world right now. Um, totally, I'm sitting there too, but naming it for yourself and knowing that what you're doing within your family system is 
going to be okay. If you're creating that consistency, that structure and the love in the midst of that anxiety, you're still doing the good work. So naming it for yourself and yeah. Remember like 30, 30, 33% is good enough parenting. Yeah. You just got to do your best and you know, if you can get that third, that's what the research shows. Like a third of the time you're there for your kids, you're co-regulating, you're loving them, you're naming their feelings with them. That's going to be what your kids need. Right. Yeah. Well, this is such a great topic and one I hope that maybe will start to be discussed a little bit more. Again, I think it's just hopeful. That's the thing I've been, you know, learning just even the last couple of years is that there's so much more about trauma that we are starting really to discover. And while it might look scary on paper, all I see is hope, honestly, mm-hmm. because I think yeah. we're starting to be able to name things and say, nope, this makes sense. Yeah. But I, what's great about our jobs is we're also doing the research on attachment and seeing how attachment is the cure, you know, and it's just such a hopeful um, opportunity for us. And I also think so biblical too, mm-hmm. you know, so I think this is great. Is there anything else that you would encourage people to look into? Obviously, please go read Sarah's blog post about this or yeah, her blog post about this, but anything else that you feel like would be helpful for our listeners to, to look into? I just want to say to foster and adoptive parents, like keep up the good work. Yeah. Because it is making a difference. Yeah, it is. Go where you're doing good. Yeah. God's going to reap his harvest. Yeah. Absolutely beautiful. So thanks, Sarah, so much. Feel free to check out her blog post at Arizona Family Counseling and any other resources that you might need. Have a great day. Well, thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Family Care Learning Podcast. If you found this content helpful or encouraging, please click that subscribe button and give us a review or share this with other families that might enjoy this type of content. Just a reminder, we have the full video of this podcast on our YouTube channel. And if you're a foster parent that needs continuing education credits, you can check us out at familycarelearning.org, where we have an entire catalog of foster care training courses. Family Care Learning is made possible by the donations from listeners like you. If you wish to support the work we do in strengthening families, feel free to make a tax-deductible donation at familycarelearning.org. Thank you.